Hey, I tried to teach you how to handle comics in the sixth grade. Welcome to Fireside. First off, welcome to Fireside. We'll be talking comic books the entire time. Ain't going nowhere, so dry your eyes. Already lasted longer than Fireflies. Stay tuned, Mitch's got the grooviest news. From books to TV, the movie reviews. Plus the next toy, baby, here will you choose. Even a superhero fight club will be usually lose. So pop in those earbuds, turn up those speakers. Feel my was power, Earth 2 with features. And either listen by weekly or you can binge us. We got it all, baby. Are there ninjas? So relax and lie back. As we start another issue of Fireside Chats. Comic facts and wisecracks. Welcome to the show. This is Fireside Chats. Welcome to another issue of Fireside Chats. I'm your host, Menti, and with me as always are my wonderful sidekicks first, Mr. P Features. Hello, internets. And then there's Mauer. Beep you, Menti. That's wanted to add Menti to it. It's terrible. We've got guests. I don't want to blow out their ears. That's fair. You know, it's understand. We have the comic book men with us. We've got Ming Chen. What's up, everybody? And Mike Zapsik, the chief. How are you doing? What's going on? We are doing wonderful. Himself. <laughs> that is true. Um, no. Napopedia. I like it. Can we get that? I, I'm, 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 I'm getting the copyright for that. Thanks. All right, Dodd, you can have it. <laughs> we'll take a small fee off the top, or you can pay us in comics. This is why I need to have Mauer around, because I'm fine with just giving that to you. Yeah, Menti, <laughs> shut up. I'm, I'm negotiating now. <laughs> true lady already said it. That's Damn true. It. I did. I did. Sorry. Well, maybe right. we'll get him for another one. Give, give, it, give it the rest of the show. <laughs> well, Mike, we haven't met you before, but we have seen Ming at Bing AppleCon, and I think we've run into a few other places that you've been. Uh, last time we talked, you were just starting this podcast studio adventure that you're on now. How has it been for the past, I guess, three years now? Uh, yeah, just about almost three years now. Uh, it, it's, it's been going great. It, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was... August or September? Oh, no, it was May, I guess, May of uh, 2018. So it had just kind of started. We officially launched January 1st of that year. And um, yeah, back then, you know, we, we, had, we had a few clients. Um, whenever you start something like this, a small business, um, usually the first people that come in are all your friends. You know, if you can't get your friends to come in, you're, you're sunk. <laughs> like, just close up shop. So all our friends came in. Then they would write, then friends of friends came in. And then finally there was that one day where we we're like, well, we don't know these people. These people find us on Facebook. They, uh, they, um, they think we're, we're a real business. Like we got to act like a real business now. And, um, yeah, it didn't happen. Still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and, um, you know, leading up to that, it was really nerve wracking, but they came in and they had a blast. You know, we just did what we did. Usually they had a blast and they're like, oh, what man, can we come back next week? We're like, I, absolutely. So I, I knew we were kind of onto something, and uh, in the last uh, two and a half, three years, it's it's uh, it's definitely grown to um, you know the word is mouth mouth is spread. We've uh, been able to market a little bit, and uh, I think uh, you know we're we're trying to get to that point. You know, now me and Mike are kind of known as the guys from Comic Book Men, but we want to be known as the guys the the guys who started the podcast revolution, the podcast studio, and I think we're we're almost getting to that point. Oh, I think you're well on your way. And I th that actually is a nice segue into the next question. Uh, with what's going on with COVID and social distancing and whatnot, how is, have you found yourself in a lot more of like a, um, almost like a consultant shoes, helping people figuring this stuff out online, like what we're doing now? Yeah, I think um, we were always kind of like uh, the, the consultant. That was kind of the genesis of the whole podcast studio idea was uh, me and Mike would go to conventions 
and people would come up like, hey, we saw you guys podcasting on Comic Book Men. We listened to I Saw Comics, a podcast you guys have been doing for about 10 years. We want to start too. You guys made it look like so much fun. How do we do this? Like, we want to argue about uh, how bad Justice League was. We want to argue about Batman vs. Superman. We want to talk about Endgame with our friends and then put it out to the world. How do we do that via a podcast? And we're like, oh, well, um, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you much in 10 minutes in the 10 minutes I have with you, but I'll give you as much as I got. And uh, we've given a real quick 10 minute lesson. But uh, we'd always had this kind of, um, it started as a joke and then it became a goal. Some kind of classroom or a studio. And uh, so, yeah, finally we did. Uh, but that was the whole genesis was people. I was like, well, we want to start too. And I was like, That'd be cool, man. That'd be cool if we, we influenced, we inspired other people to, to podcast as well. Don't you think you kind of already have, though? I mean, I feel like Comic Book Men's format is the reason why we're here today. Yeah. Like, I think a lot, when you look at all of, you know, the surrounding realm of comic media, everybody who does podcasts and blogs and so on and so forth, a lot of that was inspired absolutely from Comic Book Men. No question. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> you're just giving stuff away. I'll take it. Um, you know, Ming's Ming is the face of a shared universe. I still work at the stash. Ming dove headfirst into this. What we're we're trying to do is essentially a shared universe is it's a clubhouse for people who like to podcast. We want you to come into um our studio, our studios, and just be so comfortable. If there's not anything there that you will nerd out over you're dead you you don't have a pulse because we run the gamut i mean ming's we've got harry potter stuff there mystery science theater i mean any any fandom that you can be a part of with the exception of my little pony you can you will see at a shared universe so if a brony show shows up <laughs> I'm, we will not turn them if, if they got cash <laughs> I mean, you have to. We have to mention you're talking to two guys who have been to BronyCon. There and was we a, were at Brony. We shot I mean, a, Yeah, we shot an episode there. We entered the cosplay contest there. Uh, we didn't win, but we uh, we had an interesting day there for sure. I got booed off stage. It was awesome. <laughs> well, then I feel like the costumes need to be put in the studio. I feel like that is the welcoming. That is the. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I think Mike, you brought kind of brought your own costume. Right? I have so... my yeah. I was actually, I I was the um, <coughs> pardon me, the veterinarian to the, um, <laughs> the the brony. So so there's the brony invitation right there. Hang it on the wall. You know, members of the boot off stage BronyCon fan club, and uh, you'll get them coming in and waves. I don't know if there's that many brony podcasts in the area. Uh, I, I think it's on Red <laughs> There's got to be some. But uh, yeah, Menti, uh, getting back to your question, though. Uh, so the um, kind of the core of our studio was for people to come in and gather and podcast face to face. I think you guys have a studio, right, near Penn Station? or so, We do. Uh, yeah. So you know that the, the, the best experience is to get is to do it in person, gather together once a week or whatever, uh, you know, grab a couple of drinks, whatever, and do it in person. And um, when the, when, when the pandemic hit and, uh, and we you know, it wasn't legal to be in a, to open up to the public anymore. Um, you know, we were, for a second, we were kind of like, well, geez, man, what do we do now? This kind of kills everything. 
And then the next second, and it was like, wait a minute, we, 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 you know, we, we patch people in outside all the time. Uh, you know, not all of our guests are sitting in front of us. We prefer it that way, and we try to insist that people come down. But if they can't, you know, uh, at first, it, you know, we would dial them in on, on Skype, and then the Zoom thing came along, and now we're using uh, StreamYard, which is what we're using now. But I was like, wait, we could, we could do it like this. Um, I was really worried whether uh, if, you know, putting both people in a little box <laughs> on a computer screen, I was wondering uh, if it would feel the same, if anything would be lost in translation. Um, and mainly I was really worried about uh, if it was possible to make fun of people across a computer screen. So that's what we've run into. We've been doing this now, you know, since the pandemic. Yeah. I was actually in California for a while. And the timing is huge for a group of guys that have been doing a show for a while. We're, what, coming up on five years soon? Congrats. Thank awesome. you. And but it was know, a struggle. I mean, getting this up and running without being able to see each other was a struggle to keep like a schedule. And actually, going off of what you just said, Ming, it, this is a bigger deal than just podcasts. I mean, look at every news broadcast you've seen since this has started. Yep. So many of them are garbage. And when you look at what the some of the local podcasters are doing, it's leagues above what you're seeing on on a national platform. Yeah, because we've been doing. Yeah, because we've been doing it for so long, and uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. I I was like, oh wait a minute, the only reason they're so good is because they got like a, a a huger budget and they got money for better cameras and stuff. But when uh, you know when you boil it down to the essentials, we've we've got them. We're just as good and um, even better. Chris Cuomo stuck it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we got it, and we've been pushing it. I didn't want to take the level of our podcasting down at all. So, you know, every week we would talk like, how can we make the quality better? How we can, you know, take the challenges and overcome them. And it took us maybe a month, month and a half of really focusing on it. But now if you listen to the shows, you know, with remote recording and getting the timing down and little hand gestures, we figured out how to get that feel of us being in the same room across even when we can't. Yeah. And, um, I think, yeah, I, th I think that's awesome. I mean, we're, you know, we're quality junkies, uh, I see your 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 you know your SM7B right there. That's like the gold standard, uh, sure microphone right there. Um, but even then, um, uh, I well, so I I found you know what you can bust balls across a computer screen. I think the technology is good enough. We're moving at about thirty frames per second. Audio is coming through in real time. Uh, you know we're not we're not losing that much. And um, uh, you know that being said, uh, of course, I you know one day we'll, I would love to be in the same room with you guys. I think that would be the ultimate experience, but you know, you, you learn to adapt, you find a way to keep things going. And I love that you guys have kept going. And, um, and I think, uh, I, you know, this, this has kind of made remote podcasting more acceptable. Um, and prior to 10 weeks ago, nobody knew what zoom was. Nobody used it except for <laughs> some hardcore businesses, uh, remote businesses and all that. And now everybody's on there. So everybody's used to, you know, seeing dogs running around in the background. Everyone's used to, you know, maybe the sound quality is not that great, but it's just enough where you can tolerate it. And uh, so now I think, uh, you know, now we can help people out who are in London or Nigeria or California. They don't even have to come in. Um, you know, they're used to doing things like this. Whereas before they were like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to hop on a video call. No, I'll just you know, we'll, we'll find another way to do it or I'll fly out or I don't know, we'll do it later. 
now it's uh way more you know it's more of a way of life now and um you know if there's any positive to take a, take all of this that's one one of them you know prior to this i don't know if i could convince two people to hop on a video call and take a class or record a podcast like this so i uh yeah i'm loving it there's a few benefits being able to just hang up on my co-host at the end of the show <laughs> and they're gone definitely a benefit for me yeah, we, we're all on the same page on that one uh, <laughs> and no pants I I mean, no, no. well thank you for letting us know mike i appreciate that it's good i mean i know we've across the table here <laughs> um can we uh can we switch gears for just a second Absolutely. I, actually wanna, no. I want to talk to mike for just a moment mike nope. um i'm sure you've gotten this question a million times around but what has the stash been like with covid uh empty um <laughs> we've not been in we haven't been able to, to open up and now we're going to start curbside service, you know, for our reservists. But this is one of those things where you can't just uh, go into a comic book shop is an experience. It's, you know, especially the secret stash. You take pictures, you take video, you, you talk to Walt or me or Ming when he's around and it's, it's, it's that it's an experience that's, you know, we're, we're a Mecca for Kevin Smith fans. It's essentially a museum to him, you know, and, um, it's the past two and a half months have sucked. I mean, quite literally, we had no incoming business. We had nothing. There was nothing we could do. Uh, our online store is attached to us, but it's, you know, it's, the same but separate you know what i mean it really is such an experience i was there you know they joke i would never say my real age i was 25 for the past 12 years but when i by by the way he's 47 just to throw that out (laughs) but when i turned 37 this past november in a row row, (laughs) my wife and i made the trip up to the secret stash and we went in there and we shopped we actually got to talk to you mike at the counter and it was you know, a big deal just to go up there for the hour that we spent up there. Um, for me, that was huge. And for fans that they might've been planning, okay, a trip here, a trip there, this happening, it can be devastating. Do you guys have any plans of working around the system or doing something special? We did. Some- we're, we're as a matter of fact, and we're going to relaunch it, but because response was so insane. Uh, we did comic book men curated boxes. We offered them online. There was a $25, a $50, and a $100 tier. So we did three tiers, and you got a Ming Chen curated box. and you Or you got a Walt Flanagan, or you got a Brian Johnson. And it came with a – it did come with a a signed uh, by all four of us, 8 by 10. And we put in for the $25 box – it was forty dollars worth of stuff with a uh, signed Kevin Smith comic book, and it's stuff that we actually read and stuff that we actually mm. love. And you're getting like a taste of what it, it's like to have us as your personal shopper. I don't know how that's I a, missed that. That's a brilliant idea. I I will take full credit for it because that's what I'm doing. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was it was suggested by a friend of mine. A friend of ours, Ming, actually, and um, so, but it, it's it went gangbusters so so well that we had to actually 
suspended for a little while and we're going to retool it and um we're actually gonna do i think it's gonna be like a 50 dollars box curated by one of us but you, instead of the kevin smith signed item because we're running out of them i have <laughs> i don't have enough kevin smith signed stuff he signs everything in there he signed the wall he signed the shelf in the back but i can't chisel out the All wall right. and send that to you um you could my first off our landlord would like <laughs> He'd shit a brick, first off. Although the person who opens that box would be thrilled. <laughs> Unless it's like an, an actual guy who does masonry. He's like, look at this shoddy work. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but we're we're sending out eight by tens of all four of us, and Kevin's going to sign them, and that's what we're going to offer as the signed Kevin Smith thing. That's so, awesome. And there, it's, uh, I, I told people, hey, you might get swag. <clears throat> it's comic books, folks. We're a comic shop. That's what that's what I've been sending out to people. So it's actually pretty cool. I'm curious with um, I know pull list for most shops is a is always a, a, a painful topic, right? People not picking up their pull list. Okay. It's usually a big deal. Now that you're opening back up and new books are on their way out, do you have you noticed pull list have been a little easier or a pull list the same nightmare they've always been? Well, here's the thing. It's we're we're very conservative now. And I think that the the next two months uh the the orders are going to be lower by like across the board for everybody and everybody's going to play it very close to the vest well so that's what got me thinking uh, about a week or so ago orders are going to be real real low so print runs are going to be real real low on all the books coming out the next couple months exactly that means that the the back issues that uh people are looking for are going to be in higher demand Right, and that is a way where a shop like yourselves, who are business-minded people, you know, you can help fans out by still having them, but also make a little bit extra profit <laughs> because that book that people didn't think of because they were stuck at home, well, now that $6 book could be $25. We're going to try not to do that. <laughs> I had to say, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little rough there, <laughs> I mean, really, even if I did that, I, I wouldn't admit to it on it. <laughs> I got to be in. It's like, hey, 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 you want this insulin? Well, you know, the, the price is just going up. So I'm just like, <laughs> oh, you're allergic to peanut butter. This EpiPen I got here. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. It's a, it's a bargain for two grand, isn't it? You, you now know how I would run a comic shop. Yeah, through oh. cutthroat tactics. and uh, That's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Stop admitting these things, Mauer. <laughs> Sorry. Stop. Take take a take a page out of Mike's book and stop talking while it's being recorded. Yeah, I um I'd wanted to pitch this idea where we go out and we rent uh, a Batmobile, a DeLorean time machine, and an Ecto One, and we use those to make comic book deliveries. But no one's going for it. So uh, how much is it to rent those? Besides Kevin Smith, I, it's, and Kevin would never go. For it. It's an investment. Think of the marketing opportunities. Think of like you know me and you. You just want to ride around in the, in the Batmobile. Of course, man. you uh, just want to do that again. Oh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely I, putting on the Marty McFly vest. I'm definitely driving the DeLorean <laughs> time machine. Uh, Mike, what car? If we if we did this, what oh, car? Batmobile. Come on, sixty six. Of course, yeah, one though. Oh, sixty six. Oh, sixty six. Yeah. Can I get the tumbler? Tumbler's Why would yours. You want it? <laughs> That is the ugliest of the Batmobiles. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just buy the Elon Musk uh, Tesla Cybertruck and you'll be fine. But I can pancake cars with it. <laughs> I, don't, so, I, I thought it was a good idea. It, you mean, know what, I'm Ming, it, it is. 
Let's be let's be honest. Let's put all our cards on the table, Ming. That has nothing to do with actually getting books out to people. <laughs> of course no. not. No. The, the ROI on that would be zero, but it'd be fun. <laughs> it would be, be a blast. Now, if you had another project coming out behind it, it'd be great advertising. So but I, mean, I can just imagine all the calls I'd be getting, like, where the hell are my comic books? <laughs> I ordered them like three days ago. I'm like, he he left on Tuesday. He should have been there. You're only two towns away. Ming's doing circles with the Batmobile in the parking lot. Yeah, Just keep or, an eye um, out for the Ecto One. You'll get your books. Yeah, yeah get the DeLorean up to eighty-eight miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, like just, into a brick wall. I'll go back in time. You'll get your comics three months before they were even supposed to come out. Like they haven't even been written yet. <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, hey, oh, by the way, cancel all your plans for April and May. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, don't uh, don't don't go outside. Stock up, up now. now. Um. um so, so let's change. change. We, we talked talk comic shops. Let's talk about the movies because I'm sure you're all aware the dreaded Snyder Cut is coming to an HBO near you. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Mike, would you like to start? Do I have to? You don't have to. I can start. Um, Go to town, Ming, because well, we, we all know how I feel. Yeah, so I, I, I guess there was this hashtag that released the Snyder Cut. I guess supposedly everyone was asking for this. I didn't ask for it. I don't think Mike did, but you know, if fans ask for it, so be it. Um, with that being said, and um, one, if the fan, if fans did demand it, okay, great. Well, I'm, uh, if they're listening to the fans, that's awesome. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think they're seeing dollar signs, and I am wondering, like, what possibly could they have that was not that hit the cutting room floor. What possibly could they reshoot in the next few months that will make this movie any better? I mean, apparently, <laughs> apparently there's no reshoots. They're getting the original studio staff back together just to do the 20 million in graphics work. Okay. So it's, especially it's going to be all CG work, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is finished. Like nobody's coming back. So with that being said, if this cut is supposedly like better, why didn't they release that cut then? Like why? Like, now I know you know I know Zach had you know unfortunately the family problems. Couldn't finish it, and Joss had to come in, and the, the. But I think the movie was a mess even before all that. I don't. I just. And as much as I, I gotta completely agree with you there. The only downs, the only thing I would say is Warner Brothers editing department seems like it was going through a tyrannical period, especially with um, Suicide Squad as well. So I do think that the backlash to BVS is why we got a the the Joss Whedon version sure. of it. Uh, that got most of it cut out, but I don't necessarily think that going back to the Zack Snyder vision is necessarily the win either. Yeah, yeah but uh, you say fans asked for this. None of us asked for yeah. it. I, I mean, don't know anybody, dude, anyone that. that asked for it. There's Features, no... you didn't ask for it, did you? <laughs> no. He's asleep. God, no. <laughs> didn't ask for that at all. Yeah, if, but, a, if anything, I think we were trying to forget it, not bring it back, right? So I don't know where this like fan... Um, outcry came from the release the Snyder Cut came from. Well, how many how many of those change.org position, petitions and stuff that we see? I mean, we saw thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people talking about this, and if they all translate to HBO Max subscriptions, and they're getting that monthly income because of the Snyder Cut, I mean, that might they might make their $20 million back. They, yeah, good I mean, on you, but for me, and the way that I look at it, is you're, you're rewarding bad behavior. Mm. And and that's the thing that that ticks me off the most. And mm -hmm. I mean, I I see it now. It's so funny because 
when I heard about it, I'm like, this is just, this is, they might as well go back and, you know, refilm the last season of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Because this is, everybody signed a petition. Let's get that, um, let's get that Zack Snyder cut. It wasn't working before. Steppenwolf is supposed to take on the entire Justice League. I don't see it. And, you know, it's, for me, it's, they should have used Darkseid. Why not? They were trying to, well, they were trying to to duplicate the whole um, Marvel, oh, let's let's lead up to Darkseid. No, throw him out on Main Street. Have him kick the Justice League's ass where they, they get their, their, their behinds beat right off, off the bat, and then they have to regroup and... Well, then you might like this because supposedly Steppenwolf gets killed by Wonder Woman pretty much right away, and then Darkseid comes down to clean up after him, and then it's Justice League losing to Darkseid. Does it like this one or the uh, the uh, supposed sequel? Uh, Batman then dies apparently. But we're not going to see, and I mean, even if they do, we're not going to see anything after this. No. And if that's the case, like, what was the point of bringing Steppenwolf then? Just bring in freaking Darkseid. Like, why do we? Why do we need all, to waste all that time on Steppenwolf? And and why did? Why was he the main villain in the movie? I don't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Steppenwolf was never that powerful to begin with. I mean, if you're going like comic wise. Bring in Calabac. Bring in you know all of the 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 you know the the bad new gods, and and have them, you know, um, like take on the Justice League as sort of you know like an Injustice League, which I would have loved to have seen. That's how we get our uh, our quintessential Zack Snyder four hour runtimes <laughs> is by throwing these other characters in. I mean, keep in mind the the the. The Zack Snyder, uh, you know, catalog of movies would probably take you a month to watch, and there's only like five of them. <laughs> True, but uh, there are not a lot of quality movies in there now, are there? No. Nope. Uh, I mean, I, I did like Watchmen, but it wasn't as good as the comic. I, I'd much rather read the comic book. And he didn't have to deal with writing anything for that. Yeah. Although I do think I, I completely agree that this is this is definitely rewarding behavior that w- I don't want to see the industry go down because I mean this is Sonic the Hedgehog all over again. <laughs> now give it the version of Sonic that we got after the fact looked much better, but this is again studios um, you know f- crumbling at the 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 demand of uh, of the audience, which has its merit, but at the same time. You are. You have Josh, not Josh Trank. Who is uh, David Ayers for Suicide Squad? Yeah, David Ayers, talking yeah. about there's another cut for his movie that he's trying. And there, yeah, there's I another. S- God. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, David Ayers like, oh, whoa, 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 I got a director's cut too. Can we put that one out? And they're like, is it how much? Is it, we know it's not better, so just stop. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Jared Leto cut. So. <laughs> no, it's just going to be six more helicopter crashes. That's really it. That's all that his cut adds. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know now I hear there, uh, you know there's a there's a hashtag. I think today was a two year anniversary when Solo came out, and and um, you know there there apparently there's a there's a so maybe there might be a Solo cut before Ron Howard took over. Like where where do we draw the line? Where does this end? And in in reality, how many movies out there can you name where the director's cut? is better than the original daredevil <laughs> yeah, he's been saying this for years now though <laughs> the director's cut to that was a much better movie but uh, moving back to mike's 
it's rewarding bad behavior. We've seen what the online masses can do. Doesn't matter if the real fans want it. People can assemble and the vocal minority can now change what we see on screen. And what kind of chaos can that play into what we're seeing? It sucks because, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this opinion out there and, and, you know, bash it if you want, but when you're making a movie by committee, it always, always, always sucks. Cause you got to get, you know, the, the toy licensing department has to have a say in there. I mean, when we were on comic book, man, um, there were a lot of hoops that they had to jump through to get a lot of the stuff that, you know, we actually filmed done, you know, uh, notes from the executive producers notes from, you know, the, the guys who run, uh, AMC and, and yes, everything's done by committee and you're trying not to alienate anyone. But once you boil it down, it's everything's going to be like Dora, Dora the Explorer. I mean, let's let's just make that everybody's movie. Well, I also think it's going to have scary ripple effects through the comic world as well. Uh, I, I think that fans being able to dictate this much, especially with the comics seem like they're just becoming advertisements for the movies that are about to happen. This kind of scares me to. We're already seeing a weird transition in comics, I feel, where it's not necessarily for everybody, but it is at the same time. Does that make sense? I feel like there's this divide in the middle of classic and new fans, and the new fans don't really care as much. They more like the TV shows and the movies, and then there's the classic fans who are like, I don't understand what's happening here. Exactly. That's why you're seeing so many um, comic book characters who are uh, looking more like their movie counterparts. Where you know Nick Fury was, hey, let's be honest, he was he was an old white guy with one eye. Now he's uh, cool, suave. Yeah, it was Hasselhoff, and now we got Samuel L. Jackson, which I'm fine with either way. But then uh, you have a convoluted story where now he's Nick Fury Jr. And it's like, all right, choose, choose which one you want to do. Right. And well, Marvel's had that problem for a while where they just have the two variations of every single character. Uh, there, there's also this, this weird concept of pandering to fans who don't buy the books in the first place, which I think is a weird avenue we're starting to go down with characters like um, Safe Space and Snowflake. And like conceptually, I get the thought, but I feel like it's pandering. I feel like it's just so on the nose. It is. All new, all different Marvel definitely had the pandering syndrome. That right? was they had a, two versions of every character. You had Unworthy Thor, and you had Jane Foster Thor. You had uh, Peter, Miles, and Gwen. You had um, you had uh, Falcon Cap, and you had um, what's his name, um, Steve Rogers at the same time. Like they couldn't make a decision on what route they wanted to go down. All of the routes were great. Just pick one. <laughs> now we get the fans going. I want this. I want this. They get a group behind it. And now they convince Marvel or DC that they want to see character X do A, B, and C when the people that are actually buying those books want nothing to do with it. And this all stems from the Snyder Cut. Um, I actually, I'll, I'll go even further back than that. Uh, New 52, when they made Alan Scott gay. Now, ultimately, it's their decision. He's their character. But you're also going... Uh, against 80 years of continuity, 80 years of established character, 
and now you're going to make him gay. Why don't you just make a gay character? We I talk about it on the show all the time. You know, a character naturally becoming a part of the community around him is great, and there's characters that have done that. Uh, Ms. Marvel, for example. Kamala Khan is incredibly well done. That character came out at a, the right time, done the right way, and the fans embraced it. Why don't these comic writers, Marvel and DC, realize, hey, we did it right. We're well, not going to do it that way ever again. We're going to do it this way. To but be this fair, one right here worked. To be fair, there were characters that were not uh, as publicly uh, accepted uh, that are accepted now. I think Miles Morales is a prime example. Because they killed off Peter during that run, everyone was like, no, I had what, nothing to do with this dude. I'm still I, like I that. Anything <laughs> to feel, but, but I love Miles now. I mean, Miles, Miles is a fun read every time he's around. Is it because of Into the Spider-Verse? Mm, no. No, no, I are think. You sure? Yeah. I, I, are you sure? Are you sure? Yes, yes I'm sure. sure. Okay. All right, just checking. It's a, fair, it's a fair question. It's a fair question, but but I but I do think that the the Miles Morales fan base, as well as even Spider Gwen's fan base, is seventy five percent because of that movie. I mean, my nieces alone are both Spider Gwen fans who've never picked up a, day, a comic a day in their life. Um, so I do agree that the movies kind of dictate where fandoms are going at this point, especially within comics. I mean, I, I don't think I've read a fun Carol Danvers book in a long time, but yet Ever. a lot of Carol Danvers fans. There's right never now, been one written. Mm, I don't, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to give you that, but she doesn't have a lot. Actually, she was, she's a great character. If you read the, uh, the Avengers in between, um, I think it was, uh, where, where did she first pop up? Like 170, mm. between 170 and, <laughs> and let's not go to 200. Let's go to one like yeah, no, one nine eight. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. But even that, I just don't think like anyone knew what to do with her. I just feel like she was written as this this Wonder Woman counterpart that fans didn't really jump on the bandwagon, so she became a love interest pretty fast. Like her, what what the surrounding culture to her, what they wanted to create, didn't truly come to fruition. And I feel like Rogue is still the best thing that ever came out of Carol Danvers. Um, I'll buy that. I, I will. I'll say that Rogue is a more well-rounded character than, you know, just giving Carol alcoholism. <laughs> just, here you go. It's like she caught it. You know, <laughs> it's working for Tony. Yeah. Hey, let let me jump on that bandwagon. Uh, no pun intended. So, um, yeah, that's that was. It was an interesting kind of aspect of who she was. Kurt Busiek did a great job when he was writing her. But, you know, like you said, they, no one knew what to do with her. She was too powerful. Chris Claremont, when he brought her back after 200, when he brought her back in um, Avengers Annual 10, he, he scooped her up for the X-Men, which was interesting. But then he threw her into outer space, which not so much you know here's here's a woman who lived how would you like to be uprooted and and go out <laughs> into space and hey have some adventures i mean i here here's a i think i think the best example of no one knowing to, what to do with carol uh, carol danvers is house of x or not house of x excuse me house of m uh, in house of m the fact that her whole dream her whole goal was to be popular blows my mind like that that's this is the best we can come up with that she that her dream in life was to become popular really um it, i think what they should have done and what they were going for was her to live up to the reputation of the original captain marvell 
Sure. Which would have, if, if she had like stated it that baldly, like, look, I was in love with this dude and he, he personified everything I wanted to be. No, I agree. That's a great idea, but then sad. go with, run with it from there and have her hang out with captain America, have her hang out with the A-list guys, Yeah, you know, and you know, get clearance from the higher ups to have them pop by her, um, her magazine, her comic, her magazine, uh, <laughs> her comic every, every couple of months, you know, have, of, her have a really close friendship with somebody other than, you know, Jessica Jones, just yeah. because Jessica Jones is the flavor of the week. Now we are seeing some cool things with this kind of, uh, movement of give us what we want we're the vocal minority you know for me i'm a huge moon knight fan and seeing moon knight get a tv show and he's now leading the avengers book we talked about he's fighting iron fist you know the benefits of people being like no these characters matter to me is cool but putting my faith in people to do the right thing for comics and not kind of manipulate them is a little scary to be very fair, I, or to be very honest, I feel like Moon Knight is very much like Steppenwolf in this regard, is that he is, although popular to a subset of fans, he is still so niche that they can really do what they want, and there's not going to be that big of a backlash. Like, you're going to go nuts, but I don't think there's going to be a, a like Moon Knight fan storming the street if all of a sudden like, the, <laughs> the character is not the same way as he was in the book. No, but we're, at least we're getting Moon Knight now, and we fought, even two years ago, we never would have thought Moon Knight would have been mainline in the Avengers main storylines or getting a TV show in the MCU. That's like it fair. was something we always joked about, like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But what do you two think about the fact that I, essentially Marvel comics are just advertisements for the, for the movies? It kills me. It does. It's uh, I haven't read a really good Marvel book. That wasn't Darth Vader. And <laughs> which is a property. So yeah. Um, and close to a decade. I think the last book that I read that I was like, this, there's something special here was, um, it was Hank Johnson agent oh, oh, of Hydra. Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last book that I read that I was like, this is, this is something special. This is fun. The young Avengers by, um, uh, Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. That was special. That was something that I looked forward to every single uh, time it came out, which was, you know, it was sort of like waiting for planetary. I think Avengers disassembled was the last, you know, Avengers story that I was like, I freaking love this book and like into the new Avengers that first run there. Since then, there hasn't been an Avengers story where I've been like, this is awesome. Let me talk about this. Let me do that. Now, Moon Knight's the main story. So of course I'm going to read it. It's my favorite character. So that's getting me into it. But to be honest, that's the only reason. I do think, though, like with Moon Knight now being prevalent in a lot of books and Blade for a while is prevalent in a lot of books, those stories where it's so on the nose where you know that it's just advertising, they're easy to skip. But at the same time, like the Donny Cates books have all been really good. I've enjoyed those. I really like the last, the, the well, Ultimate Carnage, not Ultimate Carnage. Um, Absolute Max, Carnage. Absolute Carnage. Thank you. I thought that was great. Uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. No, you didn't like it? Uh, no, I'm so jaded. I, and I love Donnie. Donnie's a great guy. And a really talented writer. Uh, I loved Redneck. Oh my God, what a great book that was. Uh, but that being said, I am so removed from those comics that I haven't even really picked up anything by Marvel that 
I, I mean, I want to like some stuff, but now I'm like, you're just all terrible. You get, <laughs> you, you get uh, painted with the same brush. Like I can't read a Ghost Rider book anymore because no. they have destroyed my my hope that they might come out with a really good Ghost Rider comic someday. Until they kill Ghost Driver, we're not going to get a good Ghost Rider book. Exactly. Until, well, yeah, get rid of him. And, but they're not going to because, hey, he was on TV, and well, we might bring him back. And not to go down this path because I could talk Ghost Rider for hours, but Alejandra, when they finally started writing that character well, they canceled it. And they went back to Johnny when, when her story was like, you know what? This take on Ghost Rider actually is interesting and new. I'm into it. It's like, oh, we, we are done with this experiment. Let's go back. Why are they sticking with somebody who's not even a Ghost Rider? And having him kick Johnny's ass in hell, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's because they're trying to make that almighty dollar and they're trying to do something what they consider new here's here's my proposition for marvel comics and uh cb sabluski or CB however Sabulski. the hell you, you <laughs> pronounce his last name we, we say it on the show is this cb sabluski yeah cb sabluski <laughs> um best editor ever he he uh, he, <laughs> best Chinese writer ever. <laughs> he will. Wow, I haven't heard someone brought that one up in a long time. <laughs> I don't forget stuff, boys. Not, not, right. not too soon. Not too soon. Um, I <laughs> and me saying that probably is not going to make him uh, really keen on on listening to my idea. But why not go to Disney and say, look. Everything that you've made twenty quadrillion dollars on came from the stuff that was printed forty, well, actually sixty, forty, twenty years ago. How about you invest some money into Marvel Comics? We don't make it a, a blatant cash grab or a blatant, you know, hey, go see uh, Avengers Endgame again. The Zack Snyder cut. Um, <laughs> you put that. You put money into Marvel Comics. You make. You get everything going where you get the best and the brightest talent. You make it. You know. You give these people a reason to want to write Marvel Comics sure. and do innovative things. And you know what? How about putting some toys in in the toy box? You know, create some new stuff and not take it to image or do it self-published. Why not, you know, springboard some ideas off of that. Okay. Young Avengers, that's probably going to be phase four or five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're getting dangerously close to... All new, all different. ourselves. <laughs> like getting getting to where, you know, any story that, that comes out is either going to be a movie or... Or if the, as you say, the vocal minority doesn't want to hear about it, it's not going to be a movie, you know, and then we've just wasted time. Well, it's a really important point, too, because uh, we, we got a chance to talk to Todd McFarlane not too long ago, and he uh, he was saying that his biggest fear for the comic industry right now is the fact that 
uh, new artists and writers are not going to see comics as a viable source of a, or a creative outlet in the future because it's not going to have the money behind it like it once was. It's so much more of a gamble right now than it's ever been because there's just not that much money into the indie books when you figure two companies own, what is it? I mean, you would know better than me, but like 90% of the market share, 90. I'd go uh, like 85 because Image and, and Dark Horse are, yeah. are still in there. They, they've still got, the, and IDW is more licensed properties than anything else. But he, here's what, um, and I throw this gauntlet down all the time. Ming's tired of hearing me no, say. No, not at all. I'm not tired. <laughs> DC and Marvel. Get a guy in there. Get a um, an editor in chief, like the old days. Get a guy who has a vision, you know, an architect, if you will, somebody who's gonna go in and say, "All right, everybody, across the board, you know, we've got a one-year plan for every one of these properties. X-Men, we've got a one-year plan. Um, Avengers, one-year plan. Fantastic Four, one-year plan." And you, you know. Stick to the plan. <laughs> I think we had that. Sign, sign your creative teams. And I've I've always maintained that the Justice League of America should be a quarterly book. Well, yeah. It should have it should come out four times a year, and there should be plot threads run plot threads running through Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, who the Flash, Green Lantern, have everything, and and it filters down into the Justice League book. You know, That's where they all idea. have to team up. And it, these guys aren't going and hanging out at a clubhouse. No. That's, that's not what they do. They're, they're uh, the world's greatest superheroes. And the only time they should meet, they, they don't sit around, um, like, going into their danger room. They don't have a danger room. They go out and they kick whatever's ass needs to be kicked. You know, yeah. that differs them from the Avengers. Where And are the, the Avengers, they... Nowadays, they meet in like uh, a dead giant's head. <laughs> yes. Oh, this the, the celestial head. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. <laughs> All right. That makes them seem kind of parasitic, doesn't it? Well, Mike, we had that. The problem is with DC Rebirth, they planned everything. They signed their guys. They had these amazing teams. We got to the end of that first year, and they went that we everybody loved us. We did great. Our books were selling. You know what? Let's change it. And then they changed everything. No, you stick with the plan. And that's exactly it. You stick with the plan. You don't do that whole, oh, you know, we're going to reboot again. Because that's, it's a cash grab. Let's, because we just went down this tirade of, of negativity for a while, let's flip this around and then say, <laughs> what's something you're excited about? What is one thing that everybody's excited for? So what's, what's coming out that has you excited? Ooh, this everybody's face. <laughs> Nobody's got an answer. Um, leaving my house. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> that's, that's it. Like I, I even forgot what was coming up. Um, I mean, I mean, I, not that I was excited about like New Mutants or seeing that in the theater, which we don't have to anymore. But, um, jeez, man, I can't even remember now. It's been so. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters I mean, is a good look, one. Movies. I, I can't wait for Doom Patrol season two. I was shocked how good that first season was. So that's something to look forward to. I just figured, let's smile. Let's, let's smile. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring everybody down. I'm just oh, saying, no. 
That's it, the damn plan. Mauer has that effect on people. Um, <laughs> I knew I job. would for some reason. Yeah, I, I think we joked around. If they were like, hey, we're going to put out Ghostbusters tomorrow, like, would you go to the theater? And we were like, absolutely, we would. Oh, my God, like, yeah. Well, I'll wear you know, a hazmat suit if Yeah, I'll wear a hazmat suit. But if, Ghost, if they were like, we're putting out tomorrow, like, well, that's, that's one thing where we would risk our lives to go see, like, literally go risk uh, getting a, a deadly virus to go see. I would absolutely buy five tickets to just sit in the yeah. middle seat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> social distance that way. <laughs> well, not to be Debbie Downer, but we wow, know wow. you guys have to take care of family stuff and kids and get some sleep. So we will let you go. This is not the last time we'll be talking. Uh, and that is for sure. No, I believe but, you guys are all pretty close. So, you know, we invite you to come down to the studio when it's legally possible. And uh, we w- I, w- I would love to be in the same room with you guys for sure. And um, we have masks and wipes. <laughs> I will say, Ming, at, at Big Apple Comic Con, the highlight of our trip was after our interview when we just got to talk uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Oh, yeah. You, you sure. only got to hang around for like another 15 minutes or so. But that, that was the first time we actually got to talk comics with anybody at a comic. At yeah, a which comic is convention. ironic, which uh, hopefully we'll get back to that. Where we're, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, cons come back, first of all. And then, you know, maybe we can focus a little more on why. They were there in the first place, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yep, and definitely everybody keep an eye out for those curated boxes from you guys. I know I'll sign up this time oh, and get man. some get some books. Um, uh, where, where can, can everybody, everybody listening if they, they are interested in recording a podcast? Where, where can, can they go, go to have an experience with the two of you? Uh, you can go to asharetuniverse.com, and uh, if you're interested in starting a podcast. We'll show you how to do it. And you don't even have to come down. Now we can do it remotely. So uh, you can go to a sharedunivers.com uh, to do that, to, to book us up there as well. And um, yeah, that's uh, I, I, this has been keeping me sane for sure, being able to talk to other people and getting some semblance of the outside world. Um, I was like, well, maybe I don't have to leave the house. But then I was like, oh, crap, I need pizza and food. And I mean, comic this is books. the longest you've ever been home. So in a while, yeah, it literally has been. I go to cons like almost every weekend, and uh, this might be the longest stretch I've been home in a long time. On that note, Menti, do that thing. You can find the show Welcome to Fireside everywhere online. That's at Welcome to Fireside at your social media choice, unless it's Twitter, which is Fireside Crew. If you enjoyed the show, a comment, like, rate, subscribe, all that stuff goes a long way. We appreciate the support we've been given. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Once again, I'm Menti. Features. There he is. And I'm Mr. Mauer. Don't forget to go to welcometofireside.com. Uh, click on that link. Listen to the show. Uh, go to uh, shareduniversepodcast.com. Uh, Help. Yep, or shareduniverse.com. Shareduniverse.com. I was going to get it wrong no matter what. Um, you tried, though. That's what was important. Uh, you know, Mike Ming, you made the highlight of my week. You know, this was awesome. We will be seeing you again soon. And uh, thank you very much for coming on. Welcome to Fireside. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love the Fireside. Uh, (laughs) Love the Fireside. Hey! Hey. (laughs) Well, Ming had already said that Menti and I were comic book men, and it kind of hurt Feature's feelings because he wasn't there that day. Would you guys be able to knight our silent friend here as as a comic book man? You are definitely a comic book man. Yeah, yeah. Feature's, we knight the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a comic book man. Hey.
go. There you go, Feech. That's official. Put it on your resume. That's official. <laughs> it's on my resume. I don't know what you're talking about. That's skills, comic book man. I love it. I love All it. All right, guys. Deuces. Deuces.